Uh, Father, uh, as we consider just the communities and the churches around, uh, around us in Mount Washington, we want to pray for all of them. The Lord, they would be a people who depend on your word. The Lord, they would be a people who would uh, be seeking to follow you in all that they do. And Lord, I pray the same pray the same for us, that, Lord, we would come to study your word, and we come and do that in the name of your Son. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come here and reveal more of you to us through your word, to encounter you and to be changed by that encounter. Lord, I know that my words are absolutely nothing if you are not with them, if they are without you. So, Father, though we may be tired, though we may have distractions, though we may be pulled in so many different directions, Lord, work in spite of our weakness. Lord, we pray this for your glory. Amen. My text for this morning is from 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. If you are using a pew Bible, it is on page 958. I do like to stick pretty close to the text here, so uh, definitely have your Bibles open if you are, if you are able. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I deliver them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophecies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophecies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a woman or if a wife would not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her then cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, women are not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as women were made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But for, if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be conscientious... We have no such practice, no do the churches of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, anyone confused right now? Anyone confused? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is not an easy text. There is a lot of debate surrounding this text, um, but I'm never really one to shy away from a hard text, but I will do my absolute best here uh, for you all uh, this morning. So just to help simplify uh, for us here, the one point that Paul is trying to prove in this text is found in verse 3, which says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Everything surrounding this text in verse 3 is Paul supporting verse 3. So let's begin to dive in here. So verse 1. It says, imitate Paul as Paul imitates Christ. And see, this is basically what would Jesus do. Anyone ever heard that phrase before? I know that was kind of a big deal when I was, when I was growing up. And, and overall, this is a very good thing. We're to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. It's all about being conformed to Jesus. But I think there's a danger here, too. So when I was um, 
I think I was probably like in second grade at the time or so. Uh, I went to the one VBS that I ever went to. Um, it was, I know that's really sad and depressing, I'm, I'm sure, for a lot of us. But I, I only went to one VBS. Raquel was actually rather shocked when I told her that. Um, and they had like these WWJD just bracelets that you, that you could get if you memorized uh, a piece of scripture. So I basically like haven't really memorized anything in my life before then. I was like, I'm going to get this bracelet. I want this bracelet so bad. I'm going to memorize this Bible verse just to get it done and over with, and then I'm going to get that bracelet. And that's kind of where the danger came in because I got that bracelet. And I was rather proud to be going around with my bracelet looking and saying, look, I'm doing what Jesus would do. So how do we balance that out? How do we correct that? See, I think we need to be a people just as concerned with WDJD, or what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He was hung on the cross. The might and fury of God's wrath that should have been poured out upon us was instead poured upon him. He took our sins upon himself. He died in our place and then rose victorious over those sins. So see, when we look at what Jesus did, we can do what he would do, not with pride, but with humility, because we see and we realize that we have that grace that we do not deserve. We can do what he would do, not for us, because, but for him. See, our salvation was fully accomplished because of his work on the cross. It was not our work. If we do anything for him, it's because he has done it everything for us. So Paul here is bringing his apostolic authority here as the imitator of Christ in verse 1. And then in verse 2, he brings the Old Testament tradition before ultimately coming and arriving in verse 3. So what does verse 3 then mean? So this head that he's talking about here is a symbol of authority. So when one is the head of something, they have that authority. So those under them are submissive. I'm sure we've kind of heard that phraseology even today. So this then means that husbands and wives should be imitating the relationship of Christ the Father. And in that relationship, we see that Christ was perfectly obedient and submissive to the Father in his flesh. In his flesh. So, should, so should then men be obedient to Christ, and so then should wives be submissive to their husbands. But here's an important thing to note here. Does this mean that Christ is any less God? Is he in any way inferior? And I'm saying absolutely no way, not at all. If we were to believe that, we would be forsaking the gospel. We would be diving into heresy. So likewise, though, this also applies here. Husbands and wives are equal. Like Christ and the Father, their roles are different. They are serving different things. They are doing different purposes, and they are complementary to each other, but they are both equally important. I can understand how this may be hard to understand or even hard to accept, so as we dive through this text this morning, I want to give one major disclaimer. Men, do not take this text to give you the freedom to be domineering, tyrannical, or abusive in the authority that's been given to you. If you are doing these things, if you are being hostile or abusive, you have completely missed the point of what this text is trying to get at and saying. But also women, Paul isn't talking about a submissiveness that gives you any less worth or any less intelligence or any less spiritual gifting or any less ability. In fact, he's giving you what Christ has given you. All these things about you are being magnified in Christ as Christ was all of these things. So 
Paul then follows up here with four different arguments to prove the differing roles of authority and submission, and then he follows up with also three applications that we can pull from this text. So his first argument is from 1 Corinthians 11.7, where we see that man is the glory and image of God, and women are the glory of man. So if we think back to Genesis here, we remember that we are all made in the image of God. But what, what does that mean to be made in the image of God? Does that mean that we um, are God or we look like God? Or, or how, what does that actually mean? And, and what that means is that we, we have his characteristics. See, God is the creator. And likewise, we can create, we can make things with our hands. We can build beautiful um, buildings or we can make uh, Corvette stingrays or whatever car of your choice. Um, We also have emotions, uh, where God has emotions. We also have emotions. We can love, and we can hate, and we can um, be proud. We can be compassionate. We also have morality. We know the differences of right and wrong, and so does God. By doing so, by being these things, we reflect God's glory. So Paul is not saying that men and women here reflect any amount of glory any more or less than the other. He's just merely saying that they reflect it in different ways. So for men, we see that, for instance, God takes life. And likewise, men are usually the ones who go to war. We also see that God has dominion over creation. But, and then likewise, we see men labor in the land uh, with, for food, for fruits and crops, for, for killing for food. All these things are just, just small examples of how men can reflect God's glory by being in his image, being made in his image. Women, likewise, also reflect the beauty of God. They are tender-hearted. They are compassionate. They are particularly good at raising, um, raising children. And, and, and let, me just, let me just brag on my wife uh, here a little bit. Um, she's like home right now with a one-month-old who's very congested, and then a two-year-old, and she still found a way to bring him to most of the days uh, at, at VBS this week. And, and she does so with just such love and care. And if I'm being honest with you, like, I don't know how she does it. If it was me, like, I'd be going absolutely crazy. I don't know how in the world she can even remotely handle that. But she does so, and it doesn't phase her in the slightest, and it is just amazing to see for me. But see, men and women, they both reflect God's glory differently. That's not lesser than the other. The glory of God is the glory of God. Some reflect it in our vocations, or we reflect it in our homes, or in our particular ministries. All reflect it as either male or female, but his glory is never lesser or greater. See, the second argument from verse 8, and we see that the created order gives authority and responsibility to men and husbands. So man was created by God from dust in the earth, and women were created from the rib of the man. In this created order, we may remember that Adam named all the animals, and then he also named his wife Eve. And so you may just, you know, this is very familiar with us, just naming our two kids. It's those who have authority that name the other. Now, if you had, like, their kids pick, your kids, like, pick their own name, at least they wouldn't be able to do it for a while, and if, you know, John picked his own name, it would be no right now. So that's not going to be the case. So the, those in authority give the name. So this also showed us that Adam was responsible for Eve. So then when Eve went and he ate the fruit, you did not see God going to Eve and calling out Eve for her. He called for him. He called for Adam. 
See, Adam had the authority and the responsibility to protect his wife from the serpent. So husbands and fathers, protect your wives. Protect your family. And this isn't just a physical type protection, but a spiritual protection too. We have attacks coming in on every side. And I've just been so bombarded by this just even in the past month here. As, as you guys know, it's, it's Pride Month, and it just seems like everywhere on social media is blowing up uh, with all these different stories, and there's so many debates raging on. But the part that I think was the most discerning to me or concerning to me was actually an experience I had about a month or so ago. So I, I got word that uh, one of the public libraries uh, was going to have a drag queen story time. Now that in itself is just a little perplexing. If you guys don't know what drag queen is, it's basically men who dress up like women and put on a show. And the fact that we were going to bring that to children in a story time was just rather concerning to me. On top of that, if you went to this group's page, they had a picture of a small child watching something absolutely uh, horrific. Um, It was basically a homosexual encounter, and the child was wiping the tear away from from one of their eyes, which wasn't a good tear by any means. Um, and I was just completely dumbfounded at this and how this is even remotely becoming acceptable. And, and so I, I usually don't like to try to, you know, get into the whole, like, Facebook debate. You know, I did that in my younger days, and no fruit ever came from it. Um, and honestly, I was like, you know what? Here, I'm at the keyboard again. And people actually came in and tried to justify what they were doing. And I'm just like, how can you even remotely see this, this type of um, like pedophilia going on and being okay with it? See, husbands, we are called to protect our families. We are called to see these things for what they are and say what God says about them. I thought maybe just a good summary here uh, would be this uh, Hebrew proverb. Um, not in from the Bible, uh, but this was uh, said at, at my wedding. It says, Be very careful if you make a woman cry, because God counts her tears. The woman came out of a man's rib, not from his feet to be walked on, not from his head to be superior, but from his side to be equal, under the arm to be protected, and next to his heart to be loved. See, the created order shows us that the authority and responsibility of protection is given to men. The third argument we find is in verse 9. And that we see it was that Eve was made to be Adam's helper. And see, I think our culture would just balk at this idea today that, that, uh, that, that women would be considered a helper. And this is just, then again, just goes into this, the rampant feminism that we kind of just see here today. This, this used to be good. It used to be about um, uh, equal rights and uh, just equal living uh, for women and for men and just having everyone be on the same uh, footing when it comes to our freedom in this country. And that used to be good. That is good. Uh, but it has gone so far now that women who don't have a career that may be a homemaker are somehow lesser than the women who do. And trust me, I think all mothers would tell you that that is by far a lie. So they push and they say that instead of helping, we should instead try to dominate. And this then again goes back to another uh, rather uh, disturbing story. So Vicky had a student in her first year of, of, student, of teaching, and, and she was at a a Christian school, and uh, this, this student of hers, she was a really great student. She basically graduated high school when she was 16. She started and started doing a two years, you know, worth of college. She was basically in college when she was 16 years old, um, and, and she frankly just went off the deep end into adult entertainment, 
And so as I was talking to her and we were talking to her about it, um, it just became so clear that she was just seeking to wrap men around her finger for money. And so I was pleading with her and looking into her and saying, look, look at these families that you are destroying, that you don't even know what is going on in these lives of these men who are back at home, that they may have wives and may have kids, and look at what you were doing to them. But she, she didn't care. But back to the point. Eve was made to be Adam's helper. And then again, let me brag on my wife here. Vicky has been such a help uh, to me. I honestly don't know uh, where I would be if it wasn't for her, and I don't know if I would be, I would know I would not be the man I am today if it was not for her as well. So as a church, we are to stand in contrast to what the world is saying about men and women. So women are to be willing to help. We need women who are willing to help. And men, we need to be the kind and gentle husbands and fathers that women and children would help and be seeking to help with the complete and utmost joy. The fourth argument is from verses 14 and 15. And this, in summary, basically is that nature reveals different physiological roles between men and women. So testosterone uh, actually causes short hair and hair loss, and I am currently experiencing the effect of the fall from that now, as some of you, I'm sure, as well. Likewise, estrogen also causes long hair for longer time. Those are both the female, male and female uh, hormones. And so this is just, to me, relatively common knowledge. As Paul says, nature proves this. And, and I, worked at a, I worked at a private school for a while before I came here. And apparently it was just extremely sexist for me to say that men are generally physically stronger than women. And, and trust me, not, not every man is. If you, but if you take the strongest man, the strongest woman, the, the strongest man is going to be stronger. We even see this today where we have men transitioning to females and they're joining all these female sports and they're winning all of it because they are physically stronger. Nature makes these things obvious. See, men are intended to be the ones who go to war. They are intended to be the physical protectors of their family. They are the ones who are made for lifting heavy things up for the heavy labor and for, of course, killing all the spiders in the house, as Vicky has called on me many times. But see, women, even just simply by their hair, they can show God's tenderness and his softness and his beauty. See, even nature shows us how we are physiologically different. So what about head coverings? This is probably the confusing part in the text, right? Should, should women use head coverings? See, I, in my opinion at least, no. Uh, not in this culture, not in this time period. Paul was referring to uh, a, a time where this was normal for them. Um, and the same thing as we look through this text in regards to shaving uh, their hair or men having long hair. But, but in this idea here is where we actually get our very first application. So, so no, we are not required to do head coverings now is my opinion on that particular matter. But I think what we can pull from this is that men should look like men and women should look like women, whatever the culture or custom may be. So if you guys may uh, be aware of Snapchat, and it has like these filters where you can put your face on, and uh, it basically can change what your face uh, looks like. And so I think I have a few. Um, you guys have it. So this is, this is the filter where it gives me a more manly, you know, perplexion. You get a beard a little bit fuller, a little more square jawline. But it can also go in the opposite direction, the flip side direction as well, which pretty cringy, pretty terrifying. And this, I'm saying this about myself. Um, so do you guys want to see, see Brother Van? He's not here right now. There you go. 
So pretty, pretty cringy. And see, we, we may laugh, and trust me, to a degree it is funny. I'm not saying that we shouldn't laugh. But just take a look at um, this, this honor and shame or disgrace uh, that we see in verses 14 through 16 and just throughout this text. See, we, we don't really have a culture where we emphasize honor um, or shame. Uh, see, we are moving further and further away from that, from showing honor where it is due and even thinking um, if we should ever really even be ashamed. So men look, so when men are made to look like women and women are made to look like men, it dishonors the very creator who created you, who created us. See, God created everything. He told the planets to move. He put the stars in the sky and told them to shine. He put every atom and every molecule and told it to do exactly what it is currently doing. And we stomp our feet and we say, no, we want to be like how we want to be. If I want to look like a woman, I'm going to look like a woman. And we do that to our shame. But what about honor? Men, are you honoring your wives? Are you honoring your children? Are you doing what you can to protect and provide for them? Are you honoring them with your love, with your kindness and your patience? Women, are you honoring your husbands with your respect? Are you seeking to help him where you can? Are you honoring him by submitting yourself to whatever God is calling him to lead you in? Let's go a step further. How do you seek to honor God? See, we are made to honor others. And by honoring, honoring others, we honor the Lord. So where do you show honor? Do you honor particular celebrities or people or games or hobbies or pastimes in place of honoring worship? Do you do so in place of gathering with God's people? Do you do these things over the own spiritual formation of you and your family? Where and what are you seeking to honor? That was the first application. The second application we find in verse 12, and this simply says, men come from women. So I was once a man trapped inside of a woman's body, actually, and then I was born. That was not my own joke. Thank you for laughing, whoever laughed. So... This is basically just Paul making a case against male dominance and male superiority. So men, let me encourage you to treat your sisters like the daughters of the king that they are. Seek to be servant leaders. Lead by serving. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And those who seek to find their life will lose it. And those who seek to lose their life will find it. Our third application in verse, is in verse 10. And it simply says, because of angels. So that's kind of weird. Why, why is he bringing up angels here. So angels look into the dealings of men. And we see this scattered a little bit throughout the scripture. So we see that they were present at creation. Job tells us about that. But then Christ says that the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. So the angels are watching in on us here and now. They're watching in on our services. They're looking here to see if men and women are reflecting the glory of God in their roles and the responsibilities that we've been given. So what can this look like? For men, it's when, when you love your wife like how Christ has loved his church, giving himself up for her, washing her with the word and leading her, forgiving her as you have been forgiven, being a man that any woman would want to follow, being a father who does not stir his children to anger but bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. For women, it's when you respect and submit to your husband, seeking to be his helper, creating a godly home. That when he fails, and women, trust me, your man will fail, I'm all too, all too aware of my own failings. But when he does, are you reflecting the glory of God's grace that he has given to you and showing that to your husband? For my younger friends, for the children, for the teenagers, seek to be obedient to your parents. Honor your father and mother. 
I know at times this can be hard to do. I know at times it feels like you are absolutely right and they're absolutely wrong and that you know absolutely everything. But they are who God has given you, no matter how great or how bad it may be. God has given your parents to you. And if you love him, if you love the Lord, we know it's ultimately going to play out for our good. So when we refuse to do those things, the angels looking in, they grieve. But when we reflect and magnify these things, they rejoice because they are seeing heaven come on earth. So as we wrap up here, as we have gone through these things, you may have seen where you may have failed. You may have been living even in an open rebellion to what God has said to him. You may have dishonored God. You may have shamed yourself. You may be all too aware like I am about your own failings, of how you may have failed as a father or failed as a husband or a wife or a spouse. But see, the good news here is that while we are still yet sinners, God loved us. That Christ came and he stood in our place. He was the substitution of where once we are under wrath, he came and took that wrath upon himself. And so if you have not believed this, if you have not seen this, I beg you to please believe this and repent of your sins, to turn to him and to see him as your infinite worth and infinite value, that all things work for the good if you love him. But beloved you may have already believed in Christ and his sacrifice. And you also may be like me, knowing you haven't done so perfectly. So in light of what he has done, I just beg and implore you to please go and live in obedience to his word. Go and live in that unique calling that he has given to us, the unique calling that reflects the glory of God. So I'd like for us to, like for us to pray, and then we will be dismissed. Father, as we just examine and open your word uh, this morning, Father, just ask that we would be just burdened with this heavy call, this heavy call to live as women and men as your word has described us to live. Father, we know that we have fallen short. We know that we have not done so perfectly, but Lord, we look to Christ as the one who has done it perfectly, that Father, we have been given his righteousness and that you see us as you see his, your son. Lord, we thank you and we praise you uh, for that. So Lord, I ask and pray that we would go and be obedient and be imitators of Christ and what he has done. For this all in your name, amen.